Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Paul Listnick Behind the Curtain, my opportunity to leave the world of politics and law that I cover on television and uplift your spirit with the entertainment and theater world. Although this one has to do maybe with murder, so I don't know. But uh, but it is a great show and a lot of fun, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I'm talking, of course, about about American Psycho, the musical that is being put on by Kokandi Productions at the Chopin Theater. I was so excited when I heard about this show even being put up. I couldn't wait till it opened, went and saw it opening night. You have until November 26th to see it. And joining me now is the head murderer himself, uh, <laughs> who, who plays, who plays the lead. I'm being nice about this. Kyle Patrick, who plays the character Patrick Bateman, uh, which is often confusing because you got Patrick on both ends of this. And so you probably have people call you Patrick when they mean Kyle, right? Yeah, actually, the cast has kind of made a joke of it. I've become Kyle Patrick, Patrick Bateman. So it's it's pretty charming. <laughs> yes. And by the way, I've been trying to, to call you. I have your business card. Oh, and, okay. um, yeah. And for some reason, you've got one, too. And when I cut one, yours has blood on it, though. Okay. <laughs> I want one of those to add to my theater collection. This one's just this one. They just said, oh, pick it up off the floor. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> But also joining us, the director of this show, but also the uh, the artistic director, I should say, the I want to get your title right, producing artistic director for Kokandi Productions, Derek Manbaram. And Derek, good to see you again. We've talked before. You too, Paul. By the way, congratulations to you, because I didn't talk to you back then when you did... Um, uh, children of the, why am I saying children of the children of the Eden? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. almost said children of a lesser God. I was going to say that. I had it in my head, but no. We're, we're talking about we're talking about the the concert Children of Eden, which was put on by Stephen Schwartz uh, or written by Stephen Schwartz, and it was at Broadway in Chicago. It was one of their big shows, and they said to me, "Do you want to talk to Stephen Schwartz or Derek?" You made the right choice. You Thank chose you. Stephen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, do you know why? Because uh, I watched that interview, and it's very brief. But uh, you you managed to get Stephen Schwartz to say my name and very talented director all in the same sentence, and that's all I needed. Well, what I did was I held that up on a card and <laughs> he said it, but we edited that out. So, Perfect. um, yeah, Perfect. that was just such a, such a thrill, but I didn't ask him the question I wanted to ask him, which is whether in Pippin, the line about everyone calls me granny was written because Irene Ryan was the original granny in the show. And it was a playoff of Beverly Hillbillies. I still need an answer to that show and that question. So if you still talk to Steven, we'll talk. It's not too late. All right. But also, but also kudos to you on Sweeney Todd put on by Kokandi because that just, that could still be playing, uh, if you all wanted it Thank to. Yeah. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about American Psycho, the musical, which, of course, was actually based on a book written back in like 1991. Um, and then, of course, the 2000 uh, uh, mu- uh, movie with with um, Christian Bale. But then it becomes the musical. I think 2013 mm-hmm. is, is when it visits Broadway. I'll come to you with this, Derek. What what led you and the other members of the creative team to say we want to put this one on for Candy? Yeah, I mean, well, you kind of laid out the timeline right there. It feels like every 10 years or so, someone has revisited the story because they're sort of like hungry for it, right? Um, you know, I love horror and theater. I feel like it's a, it's an emotion we don't always tap into, you know, that sort of like thrill of the live experience. We, we certainly found it with Sweeney Todd last year. And with this show, I mean, this is a show, Scott Cocaine, Scott Cocandy and I have talked about for years. It was on, um, it was uh, premiered in the West End in 2013. So it's like hitting its 10 year anniversary of creation right now. Um, you know, really popular in the UK, short life on Broadway. And it's not the kind of show like every <laughs> regional theater or community theater or high school group is going to do. Um, Should and- we do Bye Bye Birdie or American Psycho? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
It's the same story. It's they're both about <laughs> fame um, and a self-centered protagonist. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it just it, it, it ticked a lot of boxes for what I feel like we've really been going for the past few seasons. You know, a really visceral live experience. You know, we're down in the Chopin basement, which is a space we can be really flexible in, you know, uh, Sweeney was in the round last year, uh, this year we're doing it, uh, alley style, sort of the design is a big catwalk runway that, uh, Patrick frequents for almost the entire show. I think Kyle gets like maybe five minutes off stage in the whole runtime. Howdy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's got this Duncan Sheik score, you know, everybody thinks of him as, uh, the, the, the spring awakening guy. And he, right. he because is. he is. Because he is. They would be correct in thinking of him for that. But the sound of this is just totally different. You know, it, it, it's EDM, like electronic house music inspired, mixed with these choral rearrangements of um, 80 songs that would be familiar to us. So just in terms of like the sonic experience, it's just different than what a lot of shows give and perfect for this time of year. Um, so, yeah, just yeah. have been excited to do it. And this just felt like the right time. And I'll tell you what, as much as I might have auditioned for the role of Patrick, I didn't. And, um, but Kyle, since I didn't, the fact that you got it, uh, makes perfect sense. And, and I got to tell you, all the reviews, I don't know if you read reviews, whatever, but the reviews basically, no matter what they said, all went, this guy is Patrick Bateman. Um, so let me just ask you in terms of when you first heard it, because by the way, your background, I mean, you got a lot of gymnastics, acrobatics, right? You've got a lot of physical stuff in your background. Yeah, I do a lot of aerial work. Uh, primarily, I'm a dance trapeze artist, uh, which is a great time. If you're not familiar, the difference between dance trapeze and static trapeze is one. Do you the work, by the way, with Actors Gymnasium, Larry DeStasi, those folks? Yes, correct. I'm also with uh, CCDC, Chicago Center for Dynamic Circus, uh, primarily training with Dan Danielle Janawi. Lovely, if you don't know her. Um, but yes, I do uh, dance trapeze. So a lot, I do a lot of spinning, which sometimes makes <laughs> me <laughs> Well, on this stage, you have to sometimes spin around because we, yeah. Yeah. There, well, as Derek mentioned, it's in the, it's an alley staging. So uh, yes. a lot of spinning around. So that right. And I'm going to talk about that because it, it is incredibly unique, uh, in terms of a setting. But first, but in terms of the role, when you first heard about it, I mean, did you see yourself as, as Pat? Did you say, this is my role? Yes, actually, I very much said that. Um, Derek reached out to me specifically saying, you know, I would really love for you to submit for this if you're at all interested. Uh, just take a look at the music. If you like it, send me something. So, um, I read through, uh, I read through the book. I listened to the music. And the music, of course, as Derek mentioned, is very different from Spring Awakening. It's kind of out there, but I really, I connected with the show. I just, I realized what it wanted to say and how, how much more it could be, uh, transposed and moved over to an immersive style production. And I, I just immediately was passionate about it. Um, so yeah, uh, strangely yeah. enough, I did see myself identifying with this. <laughs> so does the audience, and certainly so did the critics. I want to come back to you on that, but Derek, since since Kyle mentioned the music, um, we get I mean, there is a lot of music people know just because even if they didn't know the show, there's there's Phil Collins music in it, there's Huey Lewis music in there, so there's there's kind of a mixture of the new with very familiar songs. Yeah, I mean that that's one one of the things I love about it. I feel like we always look for entry points for audience members with shows. Uh I think uh you know, we Cookie's done um Heathers, we, we we did Sweeney Todd, we did Head Over Heels, Cruel Intentions. Like I think there are 
in the sort of like Venn diagram of, of pop culture, you know, anytime we can get people through the door that don't think of themselves as musical theater people, that's just super exciting. You know, so this is a title that, you know, people who are just like, oh, it, it sort of looks like an 80s dance party. That might be cool. And they come, you know, people are seeing the show and it being one of their first musical experiences. So I think having a couple of those hooks there, like it, it's great that you mentioned Phil Collins, you know, every time in the air tonight starts, like once people identify that lyric, there's always this ripple through the audience of, oh, like, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, it's just a way for people to connect, which I'm, I, I never have a problem with. <laughs> right. Kyle, let's talk about first. So again, you've described the way that it's set up, but you talk about runway. It's exactly what it is. But when you come in, um, the audience, basically general seating, but you're on one side or the other of this runway. Um, you could have set it up and I just saw SpongeBob there and, and set up very differently from that. So th- these are choices, Derek, that, that you would have made, whatever. But I'm going to come to Kyle with the question. As a performer, where you literally have the cast all on this runway, no matter what's going on, they pretty much have to be within that space, entering, exiting, and all of that. Um, is it, as somebody who's performed on more traditional stages, do you look and say, this is fun and different? Or is this sort of say, oh, this is kind of, this is complex and difficult? Um, I think it's a mixture of both, to be honest. I think that the beauty of what uh, Derek served us as a cast is that it was a challenge that we got the opportunity to play in. It was not a challenge that we had to get nervous about. It was an opportunity to feel something different. Um, I actually love exploring in the alley space because I get the opportunity to look directly in the eyes of audience members and scare the crap out of them sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really quite lovely. <laughs> it'll, it'll stick with you. You know, there's an actor named Raymond Fox. Uh, you might know Derek might, he was at Looking Glass and he was in a Schwimmer um, directed show once and he played kind of this pedophile evil character and to this day when i talk to him or i see him he freaks me out um and he doesn't play a role like that since i'm like raymond you're still creeping me out so i think this is one of those roles kyle in a good way that's going to stick with you because people are going to remember you uh in this role even as you go on to you know play tevia uh in, in you know in, in, in fiddler on the roof that's probably next maybe a couple of decades um, <laughs> couple of decades maybe well, actually i want to be tevia too so maybe we'll make it muddle but um uh, <laughs> But but the, and it, what's fascinating is to watch the interaction. Kyle, I'll stick with you on this. This is an ensemble show. I mean, there and this one, by the way, when written, the author of the book, um, Brett Easton, he said this is meant to be a satire. Do you see this show as a satire? I take it more real than satire. No, I definitely see a lot of satirical stuff going on in this show. I, I think the the final number actually is quite lovely because Patrick says a lot of these things. The, what you've seen is not an allegory. It's not a commentary not a cautionary tale but it 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 is uh very much these things that we're living in this world where he's cautioning us about the effects of living in a completely consumerist uh society um devoid of actual real connection with other people um and so absolutely i do see it as satirical uh very much a warning um which is wild to think about the fact that patrick specifically says it's not these things at the end of the, of yeah, the show. Yeah, exactly. Right. Derek, when you had put this together, so you had, I guess, available to you the book, you, I don't know whether you saw the, the musical on Broadway back then or, or a version of it, but did you sort of say, it doesn't matter. This is 2023. We're doing the Co-Candy production of this. Or did, was there any way that you wanted to pay homage or tribute to what had been done in the past and even in the book? Oh, I love that. Um, uh, yes, and like, like again, kind of like getting back to the idea of why do people keep going back to this story? At least from my point of view, every iteration of it has tried to be somewhat more 
accessible, you know, so the book, you know, there, uh, people talk about the book. They're like, I had to close it. I had to put it down. It's so graphic. It's so intense. And then the film, even though there are these iconic scenes of violence and, and, and sex in the movie, even that is sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of like watered down from the book. And then the musical sands some of the edges off as well. I mean, it, it feels like almost like what we've been able to do, you know, because, you know, the Broadway production was, you know, big Broadway theater, proscenium stage, very much a remove from the audience. I think we're like able to get the story and the words and the character of Patrick closer to an audience than they've ever been able to before. Um, and just knowing that I think informed so many of our choices. It's like, you know, if you were playing to a balcony, you might say it like this, but people are just like three feet from you, you know, like that's a, that's a real kind of wonderfully terrifying intimacy to have with the audience. So I think just because of that, we were able to just pitch the frequency a little differently than any production's gotten to do before. Cause it doesn't have to be loud. It, I mean, the audience is right there, uh, which is, Wonderfully exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and of course, you got that fourth wall, but sometimes you break the fourth wall to talk. And, and of course, Kyle, there's a lot of dressing and undressing that goes on in the stage as part of the story. I'm sort of curious, being so close to the audience, was that an issue for you? Or is it like, no, I'm into my role. That doesn't really bother me. Uh, to be honest, when we first started, it made me very nervous. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had extensive work with our intimacy coordinator, um, Kai. Uh, they were very lovely and saying, whatever you need, we're going to adjust. We're going to make this something that's comfortable for you so that you can tell the story. And it was really lovely. Honestly, the support that was held within the room made it so I was no longer worried or uncomfortable about it. I, I felt safe with all of the people uh, within the production uh, company in the room. Um, so eventually it's like the audience just melted away from me. It no longer became an issue. Well, that's really cool. And especially in such a small space. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Derek, I mean, I've seen Kokani productions in other locations in the past, but it looks like Chopin has kind of become the home. I think so. You know, there's, um, uh, you know, that basement space is so flexible, you know, and it, ha it has pros and cons. You know, we have, we have columns, we have low ceilings, we have flooding. a lot to deal yeah. with as a director. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think that, you know, makes, there's no one way to, to play down there. And I think because of that, every show we pick, it's been down there, you know, like going back to right before the, the pandemic, you know, hundred days was a singer songwriter, almost like cafe, uh, like French cafe sort of set up cruel intentions. We did a reverse proscenium Sweeney in the round SpongeBob proscenium, this alley, like, like we pick every show with the intention of when you come down those stairs and open the door, you have no idea what you're going to see. And, and, and I love that. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do with Hamilton next season. Uh, just uh, wait. <laughs> and so, you know what, we've been having this conversation with the assumption that everybody knows the story of American Psycho, um, but not everybody knows it. So, Kyle, I'll come to you since you play Patrick Bateman, whose business card doesn't work. Um, but I love it. I, I made a point about it because they're actually all over the theater. Which that's what I love about that. Audience members can walk out. They can pick up your business card on the way. They're all over. But just tell for viewers or listeners who are uh, watching us who don't know the story of American Psycho, give us the plot from your perspective as the as the lead. Yeah. Oh, gosh. From my perspective as the lead is very different from uh, a normal. <laughs> That's why we'll go to Derek next. He'll correct. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from from Patrick's perspective, um, he's living in this world that that 
caters to him. He he holds all the power, except for those that hold a little bit more uh, that he's very jealous of. Um, and so eventually he starts to d- devolve into this sort of mania in which he uh, finds many victims, victim upon victim. Um, we see that kind of play out in the song Killing Spree. Um, not kind of, we do see it play out in the song Killing Spree. Um, and then eventually, uh, we start to see him further devolve into, um, a psychosis where you aren't really sure if what he's experiencing is reality. Uh, and that then takes us to the end of where he's not sure if all of these things that he's done and has confessed to have actually happened. Um, so for Patrick, it's a bit of a, um, of a high, uh, of a heaven into a purgatory is kind of how Derek has described what we want the end to feel like. And Derek, I mean, I will say a lot of people walked out. I was among them, you know, sort of talking about the plot as you walk out because it's been a long time since I've seen American Psycho and all that. And I kind of forgot in the end you do. And I'm trying not to give anything away because I think that the ending is sort of something people should experience um, and walk out maybe with those questions and stuff. But how did you handle that when you were going through it? I mean, do, what? how did you want the audience to to track this show as they sat through it. And then at the end, getting an ending that for many kind of surprised them. Although my partner, like he said, he got it. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you hit uh, the hope, which is that conversations would be happening on the way out. It's not an easy ending, which is to say it's not a, um, I don't feel like it gives an answer or a satisfying conclusion to the audience. And I think that's okay. You know, I kind of like when theater raises more questions than gives answers as long as people are down to have those conversations and i do feel like every night as we've been leaving even at intermission you know people i love sitting in the house and listening to the conversations people are having because the interpretation of what has just happened or has not happened or what was real or what was in patrick's head is different for everybody i think it's it um i think Anybody familiar with the story, you know, uh, kind of walks into it, you know, be it they read the book or they saw the movie. A lot of people come in with sort of a, uh, a predetermined, oh, like, this is what the show's about. And I, and I, I like that our production can either continue those expectations, you know, like help validate what people think it is or subvert that and just completely surprise them. Um, and for us as a company, um, I feel like one of the first things I said uh, at our first rehearsal was, I have no idea what the show's about, <laughs> uh, but we will, but we will find out, you know, cause I feel like you find that comforting of- Kyle hearing your director say he had no idea what the, <laughs> Hey, it was a journey and we <laughs> yeah. <went> on it. <laughs> well, and, and, and to periodically check in, you know, like, okay, we just did our first run. What do y'all think the show's about? Or we just had our first audience. What do you think the show's about now? You know, because it's informative. It's informed by the people in the room. Um, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, the other thing that, you know, some people look, some people could argue that the show feels dated in that the the music is sort of 80s kind of music. I mean, that's kind of when it's set. Um, I don't think that's fair to it because truthfully, there are themes. I'm not giving anything away. Themes of materialism um, of, you know, the songs about wearing designer thing. Man, that is just as realistic in 2023. And depending on what crowd you hang with and what you do, that's as real today as it was in the 80s or 70s for that matter. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think also, I think there's some, some people misunderstand this show in the way it's written in that, um, they'll look at the lyrics and they like, that's a bit pedantic or that's a bit pedestrian. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of the point. They're singing about these designer labels and that's their world to them. Of course, the lyrics aren't artful because these aren't particularly artful people. They look at numbers and this thing costs $30,000. I want it. Um, so I think it's really lovely in the sense of, um, 
how it's structured really emphasizes uh, that uh, materialism, that commercialized aspect of life that we've kind of all fallen into. And by the way, let me step away, Kyle, with this question from the $30,000 kind of outfits, because for Patrick, I think I'm asking this in the right way to, to let you know where I'm going with it. But sometimes it's not about the jewelry and the clothes and whatever. Sometimes it's something very small. And I'm talking about the character, Paul. I could have played that too, by the way, having the name. <laughs> then you would be Kyle Patrick and I would be Paul. Anyway, um, but the truth <laughs> is the character, Paul, has something that you want that really bothers you about him. What's that? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I mean, we've talked about the business cards enough, so let's bring those back. <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't want to cross that wall. Card. Dang business card is nicer than mine. Um, but also, <laughs> you know, he, he just has this little edge of life. First of all, it's the, the Fisher account um, and many other little details that just really bother me about him. Um, so, yeah, pr- primarily it's the Fisher account and Dorcia. That's another one that comes up a few times. Um, but that business card we do cycle back to quite a few times in the show, and it's a fun time to circle back to. And by the way, Derek, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming this is you that becomes the source of this, the fact that there are these business cards around when you're out in the lobby buying the candy and the crap that I buy. Um, there's they have a little stand out there, and there's business cards sort of stuck in the thing. I'm assuming that you're the reason you're saying, I want these cards around. So that that's part of the design here? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, G Max Maxon, uh, did our, our, our scenic design, our lighting design, our projection design. He's, I mean, he, he, the, the look and feel of the show was very much a, a huge collaboration with him. I mean, I, I think from the in- initial, like, Hey, should we do this show? It was like, Oh my God, it's gotta be a runway. Um, but even that, um, the, He's like, oh my God, we've got like a thousand extra business cards. Can I go hide them out in the lobby so that the audience can just be sitting having a drink and find them? And it's like, oh my God, of course you can, please. So Max came up with that. Yeah. I'm mentioning him because I got an email from his mother-in-law who I knew who said, by the way, Paul, you need to go see the show called American Psycho because my son-in-law is did the the lighting and all this kind of stuff in the show. And I went, well, in fact, I'm going to be talking about about the show. So huge fan of, of, although she just called him Max. She, you call him G-Max. Oh, I I mean, I call him Max. I call him G-Max because that's what's on his resume. Oh, okay. You know, so people can more easily find him. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Because I'm sure now, I'm now going to tell her to be sure she checks this interview out. So she'll she'll be very thrilled that she heard yes. the name uh, <laughs> that comes out. But apparently, but uh, apparently he is. I mean, his talent is amazing. And so it's, you know, everybody thinks about the work of the director and of course the work of the amazing cast. But there are some other players and the technical end of things, the creative end of things that make this stuff happen. Well, I mean, especially for a show like this that is so environmental, you know, immersive is like a buzzword in the theater industry. But I think we come pretty close to I I feel comfortable as saying this is immersive without just being buzzy about it. But, you know, from uh, our our music director, Heidi Justin, who from day one, like talked to Kyle and the cast about like, oh, the sound of this show is very different. Like this is a show that doesn't, again, it's not playing to the balcony. It's, it's sinister and it's kind of terrifying and it makes the audience lean forward a little bit. Um, to Brianna Arzell, our choreographer who like on day one, we were like, okay, every usable space in this room can have someone dancing in it. Uh, because that's kind of what the show wants to do. You know, the sound really envelops you. And again, getting to what I think we've been able to do that a proscenium production maybe couldn't is there are huge chunks of the show that it feels like it wants you to feel like, oh, I got this invite to this club in Chicago. It's in this basement. And now I'm down here and there's lights and, oh, there's a show going on. But I'm also 
dancing and sweating and you, you're like uh, it just kind of has that that full body experience for for the audience and Kyle mentioned Kai, our intimacy choreographer, as well as Kate Lass, our violence designer. Like so many things that this show asks of us is just a huge team effort, you know, like, like, because it's not just a dance. It's a dance that's also violent. It also includes intimacy. It also needs to have storytelling, you know, so it really was kind of all hands on deck to create these really impactful, effective, scary, and sensual moments. And, you know, given the fact that in the show, there are no surprise buster here, there are murders that go on in the show and there's deaths. But obviously, I'm guessing that the, the fight coordinator and, and you probably had discussion because, you know, you're not fooling anybody. The audience is so close to you. I, I, am I right? I'm assuming you didn't say, let's have a discussion to make it look like this. Per- that knife is really killing that person or whatever. <laughs> so there are other creative ways in which you show that death has occurred or something like that. And it's almost about the audience to go, we know you're right there. So we're not trying to trick you with this. We're going to be artistic about it. Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. It's like, we can't fool anybody, you know? So I think for us, it was two things. One, um, let's show all the puppet strings. You know, we're doing, we're doing a musical. No one's really dying on stage. But how realistic can we make it in an abstract way, but also always be able to, like, pull it back a little and say, but what if none of this ever really happened? You know, which is sort of the huge one of the huge themes of the show you know like uh i think at this point everybody knows like we we use very little if any like real blood or anything like that in the show but what i like about that is it you know it keeps us in patrick's point of view where i'm out at a club and maybe i maybe i do a murder but i'm also dancing and it's kind of fabulous you know you know it's the it's that glitz and glam of being in his head and again is it real is it not real is it beautiful is it horrifying yes it's all of these things none of these things are incorrect <laughs> and patrick I, patrick and kyle i gotta give you kudos <laughs> as well because well because your character patrick it, you know it's not just your lines and the way you deliver them i mean another compliment it, it the way you look at people the way you know for example your secretary there's just a connection non-verbally that you make with these important people in your life or people who think they're important in your life and you will play it's just and again it's what i think critics picked up on it is just so masterful um i'm curious because you now at least opening you came out immediately after the show which is really great because sometimes the the leads of a show will say i will come out when i'm ready um and you know and keep everybody waiting you didn't do that you did have friends in the audience maybe that was part of it do you often make your way out there fairly quickly after a show to to, to see people who want to say hi and what kind of reaction did you get i do yeah i actually find it really lovely to be able to connect with people to see their thoughts um derek mentioned that it's it's really great to hear what people have to say um people are very complimentary which is also nice to hear but i'm not i'm not going out there necessarily to hear the compliments i really do just enjoy hearing what people felt and how they experienced it i do um you know to bring the cards back um, I also get to play with some of these business cards and the people who like really sit down and connect with me, I hand them a business card as well. But the ones they get from me, I always have blood on them. Um, cause I find <laughs> Maybe that I should have stayed with you that night I met you. I'd have one of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. Come back. You might get a bloody business card. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, sit on the other side, get your yeah. bloody business card, have the full yeah. experience. And then call the number that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> or your fax number, by the way. That doesn't even work. Um, well, that's what I wanted to add. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got uh, Ben Platt's cast from Dear Evan Hansen and, 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 
all sorts of stuff that are are, are from shows. Love to get authentic stuff. So uh, I have Lin Manuel Miranda's original boots from Hamilton. So you see, that's why the bloody oh, card wow. really critical. It's got to be show, but that's about something else. Um, I, I wanna, first of all, congratulations! What a great show. It's playing through November twenty sixth at the Chopin Theater. Tickets um, can be gotten at cocandyproductions.com. Derek, congratulations on directing it. Kyle, you are this role, and that's quite the compliment. You really, you really have made a difference. Uh, thank you for spending some time with me, and um, congratulations. And Room Raiders would give your room an A, Kyle, if you were um, on the <laughs> Zoom rating. Good, it's a very good room. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Room Raiders. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, thank Paul. You, Paul. <laughs>